Hello and welcome to our latest patient safety podcast. My name is Tracy Herlihy and I'm head of patient safety incident response policy within the national patient safety team at NHS England. My colleague Lauren Mosley and I lead on all things PCEF, so it's the Patient Safety Incident Response Framework. And PCEF was published in August 2022, and by autumn 2023, it will replace the Serious Incident Framework. Um, before then, up until that time, organisations will be working through various preparation phases um, that we specified in a, in a preparation guide. And they'll do this before creating a patient safety incident response policy and plan. And once these have been agreed, that will enable organizations to transition to PCEF. And today uh, we're going to be talking about that important part of PCEF prep is the development of the patient safety incident response plan. Um, so I'm joined by my colleague, Lauren Mosley, who's head of patient safety implementation, and also Jackie Fletcher, who is the senior clinical advisor for Stop the Pressure program and National Wound Care Strategy who we've worked with to develop a guide to describe how a team within a provider organization might apply um, the PCEF planning principles in relation to pressure ulcers. And this we, we put this together since this is one of the most common types of patient safety incidents that's recorded. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Jackie. Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your role and the work that you do? Thanks, Tracy. The, the role of the Stop the Pressure programme is very much to try and standardise what we do across pressure ulcers and bring uh, evidence-based practice into play. So as part of our work stream, we are looking at developing a clinical pathway and recommendations that underpin that. These will allow organisations to ensure that they are implementing the best practice that they can and look and to know what good looks like for their organisation. And that will allow them to have a much better feel for how they're doing both internally, but also compared to what's happening nationally. To help them understand the national picture, we're also looking at a national surveillance system. And this is really important that we can see what's happening across the whole of the different organisations. That will include uh, all provider organisations, both in the acute and in the community setting. And we really want people to understand much more about what's happening in the broader picture rather than focusing on every single pressure ulcer and every single incident that they might have. Great. Th thanks, Jackie. And I guess, um, you know, looking at this broader picture, one of the things that we've kind of talked a lot in our conversations in the development of this um, guide is around the importance of improving data quality in relation to pressure ulcers and, and, and moving away from the reliance on patient safety incidents. Um, would you be able to tell us more about the work that is happening to improve pressure ulcer data and measurement? Yes, I think one of the things that's really important is that data capture should be secondary to clinical care. So we shouldn't be doing like we used to do with the patient safety thermometer, having to complete an additional audit. What we want to do with this surveillance system is making sure that, that clinicians are recording what happens to the patient in the right place, which is in the clinical record. And if they do that, then it's a standard part of the care that they're delivering. And if they do it correctly so that they write the, the right words, so it's picked up by coders or analysts, then that will automatically flow through international data systems and we will be able to extract the data without them having to do any additional work. So the work that we're doing at the minute, uh, primarily we started with hospitals and that was about making clinicians understand how they record the right words in the clinical record for the clinical coding teams to pick them up. 
and we're now working in the community system looking at how data flows through from their electronic patient records into the um, CSDS, which is the community database, so that we can present all that information to them in the model health system. This will look a little bit different because it's it will be a little bit more retrospective because the data are captured at the end of a patient's episode of care and it will only show in acute one pressure ulcer, the most severe pressure ulcer. But what it will do is pick up every single patient that has a pressure ulcer as long as it's recorded in the patient's clinical record. Uh, that's great. So I guess part of it is to try and reduce that data recording burden and just kind of have that part, part of like everyday work almost to, to include the recording of that data. Um, I guess what you're thinking specifically about kind of the role within the serious incident framework where we know pressure ulcers was one of the most commonly reported SIs. Um, what was it, and you, you've already talked about this a little bit, um, what was it that interested you in PSERF and kind of taking this different approach to how we respond to um, pressure ulcers? I think it was that it gave us a much broader perspective. When we look at the serious incident framework, what we see are clinicians in organisations getting really focused on every single pressure ulcer that occurs and not looking at the seriousness of the harm that goes alongside that. And it sets up this whole investigative process and different organisations have have set up local guidance on what they report. So we know that there's not standardisation and people play with what the rules are a little bit you know they interpret things slightly differently so what we want to do with with surveillance fits really nicely with what's happening with PSERF whereas what we're doing is looking at a much broader view so if we look at how they've investigated them with the safety incident framework we know that over the last five or six years the results of all the root cause analysis are mainly the same. They talk about improving communication. They talk about improving documentation. They talk about a lack of equipment and, and patients moving through multiple areas. But those findings have remained the same. And that tells us several things. It either tells us that the, they didn't find the right answer or that the actions they've taken to ameliorate that problem are not correct because nothing has changed. So what we hope is that if they look at much broader groupings of things if they look at the themes in the same way that you're encouraging them with thematic analysis it'll remove some of that investigative burden and allow them to focus much more on what a proper quality improvement program should do looking at a good investigation into a broader grouping of things finding the real causes and then implementing some really good quality improvement strategies and evaluating those so, you know, we typically see that if the answer is more education, they up the education, they do it more frequently, but there's no evaluation of the impact that that's had. And what I hope with this approach from PeaceServe is that they'll start to think a bit more in that more cyclical way of this is actually the problem. This is what we do to ameliorate it. And we'll look to see if it did make a difference. And I think that will be really amazing if we can get to that point. Yeah, no, that's um, that that sounds like the completely aligned there you know trying to take this much broader approach and not trying to kind of find and fix holes but like you said looking at much broader data um this gives me a good opportunity to bring lauren in then um so lauren would you um be able to explain a little bit more then how this relates to pcef and how we can apply pcef principles more when we're trying to take these considered considered and proportionate approaches to learning and improvement 
Yeah, thank you, Tracy. I will I will try and <laughs> do this. It's, it, is the, it is the tricky bit of, of piece of trying to get this balance right um, between doing investigations or doing patient safety incident responses as we've um, defined them and doing the improvement under SIF. The, the balance was completely in the wrong direction where we were encouraged to complete a process every time a certain type of incident was happening. And like Jackie said, that was... Um, felt really acutely for pressure ulcers because um, it was on everybody's list. Everybody had a, a, a pressure ulcer, usually grade three or four pressure ulcer. Jackie, you'll have to correct me if I get the language <laughs> wrong here. Um, but that was on everybody's list to declare an SI each and every time one of those happened. And generally, um, what we would see when uh, a pressure ulcer RCA, as they became known as, was completed, that that would tend to be a, a, an audit of care rather than an investigation. So um, there, there wasn't consideration of sort of system issues and generally those completing the investigations, probably because they were doing just so many of them, were enabled to take a systems-based approach. So then, as Jackie's already said, you know, you ended up with quite superficial findings um, focused on individual incidents. And then the action plan would reflect that kind of very linear causal pathway, trying to find a cause or something to, to pin an individual pressure also on. And it just wasn't getting us very far apart from you know, having lots and lots and lots of these pressure also RCAs, millions of action plans saying saying the same thing. So um, I think for, for, for incidents like pressure ulcers and, and falls and, and some of the others as well, where we, we know they happen frequently within um, and within providers um, and PSEV gives us an opportunity and permission to take a more considered and proportionate approach and a more systems based approach as well. So we so as I say, we've, we've got to get this, this balance right between doing the investigation or other type of response which you are now allowed to use under under PISA and and doing doing the improvement so what PISA asks organizations to do is to develop a patient safety incident response plan and this is the the feature of PISA that allows you to uphold that considered and proportionate principle if you like so at the start of a planning process um, and the pressure also the planning tool works through this um, sort of in a, in a step by what its way. So the, what organisations are required to do first is to understand their capacity to respond to patient safety incidents. Who is in the organisation that can undertake systems based patient safety incident responses? Do they have time? Do they have support within in their teams? Um, you know, are, are there members of that team or in the organisation more widely that can support the compassionate engagement of those affected, whether that is families, patients and staff? Um, but to, to really take a good look at the capacity that you've that you've got and where there are gaps to develop a plan for how to address them and also to map services as well. This is a key learning from the early adopter programme that to understand where your issues are, you have to really interrogate what kind of services you've, you've got and look um, with curiosity as to what the issues might be within those services. So that's that's the first bit before you get into the nitty gritty of the planning. Um, and then once, you, once you've done that, um, 
then you get to go looking at the data and the intelligence that's held within your organisation, um, across your stakeholder groups, including patient safety partners, your, your local health watch, um, data that might be in audits, uh, complaints data, litigation, wherever you can find data and get your hands on it, you can consider that um, as part of your planning process to identify where your, your key issues are. But like I say, for, for many providers, falls and pressure ulcers will be a feature. And because of the resources that we've invested in investigating pressure ulcers, this is why we wanted to provide a, a, an example, working with Jackie and her colleagues um, to, to try and make it as realistic as possible, even though it's a fictional example, but to try and help guide organisations through how you might take a more considered and proportionate approach to pressure ulcers, because this will be a challenge you've no doubt got to, um, got to, to deal with. Um, so if you think about um, incidents in a really kind of broad way, in my mind, at least, it helps if you try and break those into um, buckets of incidents based on what you know about them. So um, you've, you'll, you'll have incidents or issues, um, and I should say there'll be some of those that are associated with a national requirement. So a type of response is expected regardless um you know there are few and far between but um if you've got a death that's more likely than not due to problems in care or another event that will sit under the national priority where a certain type of response um is required so that that's one bucket there's there's another subset of incidents where you will you will understand the issue and there might be different levels of understanding but there might be things that you you understand they're associated with ongoing improvement programs or you you're satisfied that the risks are being managed adequately and then there are another subset of incidents or issues that are on your worry list I suppose um, so there are things that you don't fully understand you might be able to describe what happens and perhaps even how but the underlying system issues haven't yet been uncovered and there's no um, effective improvement program that's being monitored it's that subset of of incidents or issues as people say to use a broader term where um, PISA comes into its own because it allows you to explore those in detail from a systems using a systems based model and you don't have to investigate everyone that's the really important thing where like Jackie said we've got you know, broader issues around um, pressure ulcers you can start to look underneath that data um, and find where it's telling you that the issues are so that then you can apply your systems based tools to go exploring and to start to develop that understanding of where there are areas of improvement um, and where you need to develop safety actions and you can take that into your um, improvement programs in a much more meaningful way. So that's that's what the planning tool tries to do. So it imagines that the kind of understanding capacity and mapping service bit has been done and then we talk about how um, patient safety incident records and data is considered by um, the, the PSERF team along with the um, tissue viability team and wider stakeholders to understand what, what the data is telling them basically and where they might want to focus. 
So then we provide some hypothetical examples of what that data might tell the team. And, and this obviously will be different in every scenario. Um, but so, you know, just, just to um, pick up on those examples, we said that the data showed that there was a high prevalence of pressure ulcers compared to the national average and data showed that it was steadily increasing over the last three years. Um, compliance with documentation of repositioning was below their own organisational standard. Um, we also found through the data, imaginary data, that um, although the, uh, there was a high specification, although high specification equipment is used, patients are still getting pressure ulcers. And also there's more severe category three and four pressure ulcers um, are more common in patients with darker skin than those with lighter skin. Um, and this, to a large extent, has contributed to a higher than average prevalence. Um, so they they were the issues that we uh, we imagined that we found from the data. And you know, with thanks to Jackie and her team, I think they are reflective of some of the real issues that organisations will and teams will see within their data too. So then we moved on to the sort of second stage of the planning process. Once you've looked at and examined your data. You then think about what improvement activity is already underway. And, and that's because PSERF gives you the permission to stop doing investigations or responses where you've got improvement work going on. Um, meaningful improvement programme, I should say, as well, um, because it's better to invest your resources in the improvement rather than just driving more and more um, responses. So within this organization um, we imagined that the um the there was some improvement programs um underway but it was focused on uh, numeration so each ward identifying number of pressure ulcers grade of each pressure ulcer whether the pressure ulcer had developed during hospital admission and a weekly audit of documentation i'll look to jackie i think this is you know Quite, it'll be quite familiar to organisations. I know you sort of see a lot of this activity. It, it is. It's very so, time intensive and labour intensive. This trying to be on top of the situation constantly. So it's it's mm -hmm. almost micromanaging it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so from that we could tell that there was no ongoing improvement work in relation to the sort of issues that the data was pointing to, if you like. So then you go on to the latter parts of the planning process, which is deciding how best to respond to the incidents that you've identified, what tools are going to be helpful to you in terms of understanding the problem. Um, and it's, it's interesting here because we used tools that you would use in an investigation process, but we we haven't used investigation per se. Um, so the the response types that were agreed in this example were walkthrough analysis to understand the use of repositioning documentation, observations to inform understanding of contextual factors influencing equipment selection and use, observations in a peer organisation um, which had reported low prevalence of pressure ulcer damage across their patient population, uh, which had a similar um, ethnic mix. And that was because in this organisation, we'd identified that those with darker skin tones were getting more severe pressure ulcers. 
Um, and, and in addition to that, of course, you know, the information about pressure ulcers through the regular, to, re, the regular sorry, reporting systems will continue to be monitored um, to look for any new changes or emerging risks um, to ensure they could be looked at accordingly. And so, the, and then the last one um, um, was that information about pressure ulcers through regular reporting systems will continue to be monitored to look for any changes or emerging risks or issues. And so that they can be responded to accordingly should they arise. One of the really important things um, as part of this process as well was that the weekly check of documentation will stop to free up time within the tissue viability service. So we mentioned before that there was um, lots of that audit work. And as Jackie said, you know, really time intensive processes on completing those, which weren't um, weren't really helping to drive the improvement. So there is um, permission to stop doing that um, and to use that resource in a more helpful way. So um, there, there, is, there, is a, there is a sort of evolution of the plan as well. At the bottom of the document, we've um, provided an, an example where you would see a, a change in risk and how you might bring a group of stakeholders together to discuss that, to again decide how you're going to respond and to decide whether what you have identified and agreed as part of your planning process needs to change and that's because the plan is a it is a dynamic document it's not static and if you find that risks are changing and you want to change your response accordingly then that's absolutely fine so hopefully this um this example that we've put together in this pressure also document uh, will give organizations the sort of confidence and and help help to to do that Great. That that was that was really useful. Thank, thanks, Lauren. I guess what I find really interesting is that this is an example of being really proactive. So it's not that we're waiting for a pressure ulcer to happen and then saying when it does happen, we are going to respond using a swarm huddle, for example. But in this um, example, we've said actually we've using this data. We we know that there are certain issues and we are planning now to respond to these issues we've identified doing more proactive work so using the walkthrough analysis and observations and so on and like you said you know that the plan is really flexible so it's not that with um if something comes up that when um you know as we're monitoring data over time that we're not going to respond to it we can still do that but the um with this um the, with this approach is but it's we're not waiting for that to enable mm. us to do to do something about it so i thought that was a really good way to yeah. to highlight that yeah, Tracy, sorry, I should have said as well, I think um, as I was going through that, I, I, I forgot that, you know, as part of one of the the actions and responses to look at that data to spot those emerging risks, another really important thing I should have said is that um, obviously there are absolutely no changes to the duty of candour. And with somebody looking at that data, looking at the incidents and issues coming through, you would always identify where there is a need to um, have a discussion with a with a patient or a family about um, you know a, a pressure also occurring. Uh, I know we've moved away from thresholds of harm within PSERF and actually you know within if any patient safety incident was to occur, then you can have that open 
um, conversation with a patient or their family um, and hear any of their questions and and, and answer them as, as fully as possible. And, and that's just really important to stress, I think, that, you know, within when we are taking a broad approach, we're trying to be really considered and proportionate about how we apply our resources to responding in this systems based way, which should give us more intelligence about how to do improvement. And we have to trust that process. Um, that does not take anything away from the individuals of, of you know everybody who experiences a pressure ulcer or any other patient safety incident. If they have questions um, and or if duty of candor is triggered, then obviously those those processes would um, be supported completely as part of this as well. And the same for safeguarding as well, isn't it, Lauren? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think for me, what's really interesting about this is this broader look that if you're putting this into a safety plan, you're not just thinking about pressure ulcers, you're thinking about mm -hmm. which issues are common. You know, falls have exactly the same pro problems yeah. about repositioning and education and documentation. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will allow a better and more targeted use of resources if those teams are working together towards the same objectives. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I definitely think there's things that can be learned across different incident types, aren't they? When we're when we're taking a systems approach, often the time when we're looking at a systems level, the things we learn specifically about, say, pressure ulcers, will be applicable to mm -hmm. other um, contexts and circumstances because we're not we're moving away from that focus on yeah. the individual at that at that time. Um, and I, I, we we went back and checked when when we posted the um the guide originally on future nhs we you know we asked if anyone has any questions about it and we did have a quick check about um were there any specific questions um before we before we before we met today and there was a really interesting question actually um about how that's how this fits in i guess with with our plan so if we do go away and we go through this kind of rigorous process of looking at our data and so on um how do we demonstrate this in our plan? And so this is the question from Paul Binion is, is there an expectation for um, a document like the one that we've produced as an example to be produced for, you know, each incident type um, and response allocated to it? So, for example, if we looked at falls in the same way, or if we looked at deterioration in the same way, um, are we expecting organisations to create mini overviews like yeah. what we've done here um so I'll, I'll hand over to you Lauren no yeah I think that's a really brilliant question and there isn't an expectation to do that um I think it would it could possibly be helpful and a brilliant kind of resource for organizations especially reflecting back when plans are reviewed to think about how that whole process was managed but I would say only do that if it is helpful to you there is absolutely no expectation that you know, behind every issue that you identify, there is a four or five page document that explains exactly how you did it broadly within the policy. There is an expectation of describing how you would approach um, the whole planning process, how you um, understand capacity, map your services, examine your data. Um, that, that's described in a more generalised way. So you don't have to do it for every single issue unless, like I say, it, it's helpful. I think it would be um, a really helpful resource for others and if anybody's done one that's not just focused on pressure ulcers <laughs> it might be helpful to share but no otherwise no expectation yeah always always <laughs> happy to share examples of other yeah. people's work as well and yeah and, and you're right in the in the um policy um template 
there is there is a section in there where we where we kind of say you know talk, just kind of give a brief overview of how you develop your patient safety incident response plan and also how um, organizations are then going to review that patient mm. safety incident response plan so it's but it's it's more on a broader level but like you said it, if it's helpful to document and to go into that amount of detail then um, definitely um, cons consider it I guess um, but this is a really kind of new way of working and approaching pressure ulcers I, in particular, I think. Um, and so I, I have a question for you, Jackie, um, just to kind of see, kind of given your experience and knowledge about how we respond to pressure ulcers now, what do you think are going to be the, the key challenges for organizations to apply um, this new approach? And, and I guess, how do you think we can help or support organizations to kind of approach to, I guess, take on this new way of thinking about um, response? I think the biggest challenge is the change in mindset, moving away from this investigating every pressure that occurs to having the broader understanding. And it will be a challenge both at board level and for the tissue viability nurses. I think the TVNs will feel a bit less in control. So at the minute, if you ask them on any given day, they can tell you where every patient with every pressure ulcer is because it's been reported to them. And I don't know that that improves the care. What will make a difference and what will be the real challenge for them is having this retrospective data. So there's going to be kind of a, a hiatus period as they move from this I know today to my retrospective data catching up with where I am and interpreting how that works, particularly because in model health, it, you only get it in hospital when the patient's discharged and community will pull through slightly differently. But it is then thinking about, OK, how do I use this to look for real changes? And what's really helpful in the model health system is you can use statistical process control. So it allows you to map normal variation and really helps you flag when a real change or a trend's occurred. I think they'll also be challenged by the which ones do we report as an incident? You know, which ones are the ones that we really need to go and investigate now? What has happened that's that's significant? What's happened that's out of the ordinary? I also think this understanding that knowing what happened to that patient, if it's the same that's happened to 27 other patients, doesn't really help. If you know it is those key things, let's look at what we can do from a broader systems approach. And I think the other big challenge for them will be that so many things, because they are processed, feel out of their control. So if you take the current situation we're in, where we know we've got delays on ambulances getting to patients, we've got queues of ambulances outside organisation, Immediately from a pressure ulcer perspective, alarm bells are ringing. Those patients are on unsuitable surfaces for long periods of time. They can't be repositioned. We can't do skin checks. We know that that's going to cause us a significant problem. But it's about understanding that and thinking what your organisation can do, because it won't just be pressure ulcers. Patients will be being incontinent or the things will be happening to them. So not taking the blame or the responsibility, thinking from that much more process systems approach to, right, this is something we've got to discuss at a much higher level. How do we manage it? When those patients start to flow through the system, what can we do to make it as good as we possibly can to give them the best opportunity for their skin to recover? And I think that will be a real challenge for them. I also think this I think I like the phrase you use, Lauren, look with curiosity. We talk about people don't have enough clinical curiosity. Oh, the patient got a pressure ulcer. So why? Well, they were sat in the chair. But lots of people sit in chairs. Why did this one get a pressure ulcer? That's a really important thing. 
And the, the answer we've always had has been that people don't have time to have that level of curiosity. And this, for me, really gives them that and allows them to think in a different way. And that will be a real challenge. They're so used to, we've got two more pressures this month than last month. To look at that differently will be a challenge for them, I think. But I think it will be a really positive challenge and really make a difference. Yeah, no, that that's a, that that's it. Kind of, I guess, hit the nail on the head in a way. We talk a lot about process bereavement when it comes to PSEF. We have a lot of kind of processes and so on in place at the moment. And um, I guess with PSEF, we're, we're kind of messing that up. We're kind of we're changing it quite a bit for people, aren't we? And so those things that we've kind of held on to as comfort blankets is quite hard to 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 let go. But we found, you know, through our early adopter program that when once people start to feel more confident with PSERF and the new way of working, then it does become much easier to, and, the, and you know, the benefits start to be realized um, more further down the line. And, and one of the things when you were talking, Jackie, when you were saying, you know, that, you know, that we're thinking more ahead around, you know, kind of ambulances and patients sat on these um, surfaces that may not be appropriate for long periods of time. Um, we do have an, a, a tool in our um, learning response um, toolkit um, it's called a horizon scan tool. So, and so if you are, if organizations, I guess it's aimed more so, so for example, if we're going to be implementing something new, how can we prospectively look ahead to think what some of the risks might be around that and kind of take a systems approach and anticipate it. But it can also be used in those circumstances, I think, like you were describing, well, how, how can we look ahead to these problems that we're envisaging, you know, with winter pressures and so on? Um, is it going to get worse? And how can we start to plan and kind of adjust now to accommodate that? So there is a tool that I think might be quite useful for um, for organizations um, as part as part of that as part of the um, learning response toolkit. Um, I'm just going to um, come back to you Lauren I, I don't know if you had any reflections um, in addition to Jackie about how you think um, applying this new approach might be tricky or um, well, I see you're nodding I'll hand, I'll hand over to you. Yeah I, I don't know that they're different to the ones that Jackie has already outlined to be honest I think I think in what you know Jackie says that this process of looking very individually at pressure ulcers um reporting them responding in a certain way to certain thresholds that is so embedded within our organizations um not just for pressure ulcers either but I think I think there are almost firmer processes and structures around pressure ulcers that might make it even harder to to move away from that um Jackie mentioned earlier the safety thermometer you know, there's a history to this um that means yes. it's going it's going to be hard it's a hard change um and I know you know talking to, to colleagues it's mostly a very welcome one um but a bit like you said Tracy you've almost got to try it and test it and maybe take baby steps yourself before you feel confident to say, actually, we don't need to respond in this very um, individualistic, if that's even a word. Don't think it is, but there we go. Um, and linear way to to every single one. And like you say, Jackie, it doesn't, you know, if 27 or more patients are um, having the same types of problems, we can look at the system issues that are affecting that. And get far more out of um, our improvement efforts. So I think um, I think, yeah, it's it's just going to be the, the change in mindset around that. 
Yeah, I, I liked what you said, Tracy, about the horizon scanning, because it's not that we can't predict we're going to have winter pressures. And mm. once there's pressures on the hospital service, that also impacts on community service. You know, we can talk about the ambulance problem, but thinking about getting those patients home and, and not having enough community nurses at the minute to manage much iller patients, that is a real challenge. And we should be able to plan a little bit for it and know what to expect. Yeah, and I guess that ultimately with this example, it is really just an example. It's not, it's, it's the, the, the um, I guess the aim is not that this is what organizations should do when they're planning how they respond to, to pressure ulcers. We've kind of mm. tried to be quite lax, I guess, in the details, haven't we, just to demonstrate the various phases. And we've given yeah. some response methods, but we're absolutely not trying to suggest that when you get, when organizations go and respond to pressure ulcers, they must do walkthroughs or yes, um, they yes. must do horizon <laughs> scans. We, we, th this is there as an example, just to kind of work through those different phases of, um, you know, planning and just some considerations and every organization will find that they may do it slightly different, but we thought it'd be quite helpful to have um, a documentation that just had a little bit more detail than what we had in pressure ulcers was just a great um, example where we think this kind of piece of flexibility and opportunity for greater imp improvements and less responding. Um, it was just a, a great example to, to work with. So we're really lucky to work with you and your team, Jackie, to be able to, to pull this together. Um, so we hope everyone finds this resource helpful and um, please do it's it's available on future NHS we can pop the link in the description to the to the podcast please do have a look if you haven't already if you have further questions definitely feel free to pop them in the comments section underneath the documents and we will aim to respond them respond to them so thanks again to Lauren and Jackie for joining us today um, and I think we'll finish the podcast there um, so it's been really useful hope everyone else who's listening in has found it useful if you are looking to find out more about PCEF if you don't have enough information already the best place is um, just googling PCEF um, or you can go to the NHS England website and enter PCEF there. It will take you directly to the page. Um, you can follow us on Twitter using at PT Safety NHS, where we'll post updates around PCEF. Jackie, do you also have a Twitter handle where we people have, can follow more? Yeah, yeah uh, we have at Nat Wound Strat, which is the National Wound Care Strategy. It's not very helpful to say. Um, or uh, we use the hashtag quite often, the hashtag Stop the Pressure. Great. OK, so definitely feel free to go and check that out as well. And I do quite like that handle. <laughs> so you can access a range of further resources, including the one that we've talked about today um, on our NHS Patient Safety Future NHS workspace. And um, we'll be back soon, I'm sure, with another podcast. <laughs>